Hello and welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This week we are going to talk about uh, Black Mirror, the USS Callister. Uh, this is actually a re-recording of this episode, which we did a week ago, that was complete and utter garbage. So, forgive us if uh, we don't seem as enthused. I know some people will be. It wasn't. It wasn't our fault. It was garbage. I was going to say, Mark, do you want to? Mark, do you want to um, put a clip in of uh, of what happened? Sure, I'll throw in something. <laughs> okay, well, just yeah, right here he's going to put it in. Hello, and welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross Sections. Uh, today we are going to be talking about the Black Mirror episode. Wow, that sounded so bad. <laughs> it's almost like we listened to the clip and didn't not listen to it. Oh, you're exactly right. I know. Uh, so, and, uh, you, Miller, actually missed out on that episode. I did, and yeah, the initial recording I um, had to work, but uh, so, I am yeah, I'm switching shifts, so I'll be able to. Okay. Uh, and so you guys are in my new house's recording studio. Yes, brand new studio. So coming at you yeah. live. And you are now our quippy engineer. I guess so. I'll put in the flush sounds and everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, who's with us here today? Obviously, it's well, it's everyone. I guess we'll just go with that. But the standard kit. But yeah, why don't we just go around the room? Mark. Uh, Miller. Jason. Matt. And I am Ben Young. Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> made man drop his phone. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> To see who was sitting next to me. <laughs> I surprised you. Spooked Been here him. the whole time. Let's try it again. No, I think we're good. I am Ben Young. <laughs> okay, you get it twice. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll go around the room once again, and I will give you opening <laughs> thoughts. No, don't take oh. Ben Young. <laughs> don't introduce yourself again. Uh, everyone can just give their opening thoughts about the episode. We'll start with you, Mark. Cool. Because you have notes. Uh, I have one note. <laughs> I hope it's a good one. Buy more cheese Let slices. Let it rip. <laughs> yeah. Opening thoughts about the episode. Uh, I thought it was a really strong episode. I haven't seen the whole series. I honestly have only seen a handful of episodes, but uh, it was a pretty strong one. Uh, I definitely think it was... I've seen the first two episodes of the newest season, and it was definitely the stronger of the two, in my opinion. I'd actually, this was the very first episode of Black Mirror I had ever watched. What? I had never watched, yeah, yeah, I'd never watched it before. Same for me. And um, I, I watched it, I watched it, um, let's see, we're recording on the 23rd. I watched it last night and um, I thought, I was like, oh my God, like the show, the, the episode ended and I'm like, this was really good. It, like, I, I usually judge something by how much it subverts my expectations. And um, this was, yeah, it definitely handled that really well. I watched uh, I watched that episode and then um, season one, episode one. The, oh, the, yeah. The Prime Minister and the Pig. <laughs> I've now, heard good things. Funny yeah. enough, that was the first episode I watched of Black Mirror. Because Makes sense. You're, you know, you think, oh, well, I'm going to start at the beginning. So, yeah, within the first five minutes of that episode, it was like, oh, Okay. So this is the type of show I'm getting so, into. All right, yeah, but no. Um, <laughs> That'll lead right into you. Yeah. Uh, well, so I guess this one would have been the third episode of Black Mirror that I watched. I watched the first two episodes of the first season back when it was still a BBC production. 
and uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really liked the themes that were presented in those first two episodes. So for me, it was kind of a no-brainer when we decided to watch this one. Um, and kind of having it jump, uh, it was, I wouldn't say a little jarring, a production value, I guess, increase from season one to season four. But uh, what I was really taken aback by, we were just kind of riff off what Miller is saying, um, just how subversive the episode was uh, on the whole, but also uh, just how well done it was, um, both in terms of you know, story, acting, uh, set design, everything. Uh, I was just really impressed. And uh, I think for a contemporary science fiction, the themes that they really aren't afraid to, uh, I guess, go after in this show, it, it's really impressive. Really good stuff. Makes me want to watch more of Black Mirror, which, since the first time we recorded this episode, I've watched a couple more episodes, and uh, nothing but positive things thus far. Okay. Matt? I thought it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed the callbacks. I really enjoyed the... The way it kind of spoke to, like, current issues of gaming culture and isolation and, like, feeling in control in a game. And I, I thought it was just another phenomenal episode of Black Mirror. I've seen everything on Netflix, and I don't think a single one has disappointed me. Okay. Uh, real quick, you said on Netflix. Uh, is the original BBC episode, so those on Netflix? Or? Mm-hmm. Oh, those okay. Are, oh, okay. I, I didn't know. So then you saw them all. Then I Okay. Uh, ben. It was a good episode. Twas. Very good. Uh, I, I disagree with Matt there about no, never having complaints with Black Mirror because there are episodes that I sit that I walk away from and I go, either there's two where I've gone that was utter shit, and there's a couple where I was like, eh. But it, I was really happy starting out season four. Uh, to have a really strong episode and this one has something that I, I like to argue a lot about which is is AI life spoiler no but well, <laughs> well we're gonna get into that discussion sure but um, it's a, it's an argument I like to yell about a lot and I like that it's brought that discussion back up because it's always a good discussion to have especially as we step further into the future in in the technological world so i like that you said the future because the next thing i want to go into is i want to talk about the setting of uh this episode we we obviously have two different worlds going on here you have this uh this kind of near future dystopian future Uh, it's very cold very gray um not a lot of color going on there and then you get transported into this digital world which is amazing colors it's you know heavily based off of the original star trek show uh not so much in themes but yeah a little bit (laughs) a little bit here and there i thought Uh, it was more star wars yeah yeah space wizards and whatnot uh but no i just want to know uh what you guys thought about that i know you had had a lot to say about the dystopian future that they were living in yeah, no, absolutely, because I think it's one of the coolest things about this episode is how it takes that bright and shiny future that Star Trek always, that Gene Roddenberry liked to to show off in Star Trek, and it, it, twists, it, on, it twists it on its head and, and creates this really dark and awful dystopia. Um, 
which Black Mirror is known for. So to see those two mesh in this genre and in, in the whole genre of sci-fi was a really cool thing to see. Even just in the opening clip, not even considering in the future parts of the episode where you get to see what is actually going on with the crew, but just right off the bat, you know, totally off track from Star, from Star Trek, like just blowing that ship up. Yeah. Ruthlessly murdering that guy. I mean, I want you to go back. No, and watch no, no, no. The original Star Trek and. Uh... He escaped pods. Oh, yeah. Ah. I just want you to be aware of how much death and destruction Jim Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise rained down on people. Let's <laughs> 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 not sugarcoat this. They have nice rules. They don't usually follow no. the nice rules. Not That's when you true. fire from the hip like Mr. Kirk there. Uh, <laughs> like the thought, though. It's a good point, too, because am I the only one who uh, felt like this beginning, like, felt this real dread starting out um, in the opening? Like, it, it, yeah, it was it was all happy, and it was all, all nice, but it felt a lot... I felt something under the surface that, that really set me off. It set something in my subconscious off where I was just like, I don't like any of this. And it might just be because I know Black Mirror a lot, and so, Matt, maybe you have more to say about it. But it's it, for me. It I immediately out of the gate was like something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, after a couple of viewings, you really can see the looks on the rest of the crew's face does not match the scene. The focus is definitely drawn to the captain, so it's easy to to pass it up. But they all have very nervous looks every time something's happening, because they know they're they're acting and if it's not good enough they're going to get in trouble so you can definitely I, I think it's probably just a subconscious picking up a lot of that dread just from the side like the peripherals which is which is great on all counts do you have anything to add Jason? well yeah I mean to, to what Ben was uh, saying there I always like when especially I, I thought that was a really good way to start the episode off because you really don't know what you're getting into, at least at that point. Um, I, you know, from watching that first five-minute segment, thought we were getting an hour and 20 minutes of that type of episode where it was going to be really stylized. You know, you're going to have the, the tracking and, like, uh, you know, the film grain and everything from the 60s, and that it was just going to play out as a straight, you know, like, serialized episode of, you know, oh, yeah, they're on the ship, and they're just kind of riffing off of Star Trek, but... The fact that by the end of that segment, uh, kind of like what Matt said too, if you're really paying attention, something's not right. And the way they revisited that later in the episode, when you finally do find out what's going on with the the game and the simulation and everything else like that, uh, just a great payoff because you may have at that point started to put some of these things together and figured out like, okay, this is what's going on, but. Uh, when it actually does happen, it, it still feels like the show has earned that revelation and they didn't just drop it on you. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, did you have anything you wanted to... You know what? I was actually really worried that it was going to do that whole like throwback Star Trek kind of style, you know, the 4-3 aspect ratio and yeah, like, you know, the 8mm camera recording, but it's like... I'm really glad they didn't stick with that. I think I would have been really disengaged. Because if I want to watch Star Trek, I'll just go back and watch Star Trek. I you know, yeah. I want to see something that I maybe have never seen before. And um, I think this was... Uh, 
I think that was really that. I'm glad they cut it where they did, and then I'm glad they you know kept re-referencing that it kept going back into his version of the game. To uh, it, in a weird way, it actually looked like it went from uh, the original Star Trek series to like J.J. Abrams. Yeah, universe. That's oh, what, sure. that's what it kind of felt like, which is how the aesthetic of everything changed when they became right. uh, became less TV showish and became like that's their world. So, oh my god, maybe this whole episode, maybe we're wrong, and this whole episode is a <laughs> fanboy's response to Abrams Star Trek. You know, I almost made a joke at one point when we were watching it. Um, there was, I swear, there was a screen. That had four lens flares on it at the same time. <laughs> there, there was a lot of lens flare going on, so there was some nods to it, I guess. But uh, okay, I actually wanted to go into talking about the ending here, unless you guys. Uh... You're the boss, boss. No, okay, so I want to talk about the ending. I know we didn't really like go too heavily in the plot the entire time, but. If you're uh, listening to this, you watch this episode. So, and we're gonna reference a lot of things during. I mean, the pretty episode, much every episode we do is a spoiler cast, so <laughs> you kind of have to just be. We yeah. even spoil things that you weren't prepared for us to spoil. Does anyone listen to a podcast that didn't have like they tried their best to keep spoilers out? No. Because why it would it's pointless? Yeah, it's very pointless. Oh well, well, no, this is it's for the like people who review then. Right, it's yeah. the people who have listened, who have watched this. Right. <clears throat> so this is your alert. In case you have not finished the USS Callister. I just heard the stupid Star Trek red alert in my head when you said that. I'll put it in. So, uh, <laughs> is Ro- Robert is the character? Robert Daly? Mm-hmm. Played by Matt um, Damon. Played by Matt Damon. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't get a little pause, because I want someone to actually say the proper name. Seriously played by Jesse Clemens. Yes. But but let's be serious now. Okay, so it's a right <laughs> so it's discount Matt Damon. You know what? You know what? Yeah. Bargain oh, no, basement Matt Damon. <laughs> so it's Joe Bodega. When we were originally going to record this episode, after I'd seen the episode, I had said we're going to make so many Matt Damon references and jokes. But I held kept... it back the first time. Yeah, well, let's let him rip this time. So <laughs> no, but uh, the character Rob Daly, Robert Daly, Bob. Bob Daly. Do we have any more? Bob Robert. Daly, New York Let's Times. Let's just keep shortening it. Yeah. Buh. Buh. Buh Buh Daly. Little Bobby. Bailey. Little Billy Daly. So Daly. Uh, <laughs> little Billy Daly. <laughs> Daly. Dale Daly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I'm a right. silly cast today. 40 minutes of outtakes. <laughs> Three hour <laughs> podcast. So Robert Daly. God damn it. Daily. Robert Dingus. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> he won't be able to finish all the talk. Dilly Dally. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> oh, Mr. Bob Dingus. Bob Dingus. Bob Dingus. We've reached the uncanny dally. <laughs> so, Bob Newhart. <laughs> Bob Dingus, played by uh, Matt Damon's little brother. Yeah, Bill Dole. Oh my god. So, Bob Dole. So, Robert Daly, who is the... uh, Chief technical officer. Chief technical... Okay, so yeah, it's the CTO of this gaming company that produces a popular MMO in a virtual world. Uh, Find out he's a bit of a dick. 
Um, but not two people in the real world. He steals their DNA and creates um, their likeness in his own modded version of the game. There, he tortures them, punishes them. Things that happen in the real world, he takes it and then goes in there and hurts them. So, the episode ends with them finding a way through the magical patch day to get out and what they thought was killing themselves, but actually it just gets rid of his mod and they're living in the world. He, however, is trapped. And while he's in the game, he's sitting there basically lifeless, just sitting in his chair. No way out. He can't exit the game. Was that punishment too harsh for a man who actually wasn't breaking any laws or rules? He wasn't actually killing living beings. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think it was exactly what was coming to him. I mean, literally, he created the people who were in the game. So the fact that they did this to him, rebelling against him, he literally set himself up for this. But it's a death sentence. How could you say that? It's it's like, I mean, it, it, and, and no, I'm not going to go there. But regardless, they aren't real, right? Like, if he was doing this to real people who have actual lives, then yes, I would I would agree that what happens to him at the end was worth was was definitely uh what's the word justified but i think you're you're being too harsh on him for simply taking out a fantasy that every one of us do every day when we play gta 5 or quick save on skyrim but he knows he knows that it's not that simple but it is they're not real he didn't i mean he didn't code them or anything they're not he didn't create them in a way where he could break them the way, like, psychologically, as he does. Well, I'd have to he assume know, that he could have. He knows they're, like, real... I mean, it, as far as having consciousness goes, that they're responding to him on a human level. So, the way I look at it, because I'm sure we'll get into the conversation about consciousness and, you know, uh, if AI could be considered alive, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure we'll get more into that. But basically, the way I look at the ending of the Callister episode and also in what um, Bob Daly was doing to the, uh, <laughs> the uh, entities in the simulation, all the people that he's kind of coded their DNA into the game, um, no one knows he's doing that. So... As Ben said, it's not the real world, and as far as anyone else would be considered, he's really not doing anything wrong. I mean, ethically, morally, sure, yeah, but it's he's not—you know—he's not hurting anyone that's real flesh and blood, you know, in the physical world. That being said, one of the things because I haven't obviously seen a, a lot of episodes of Black Mirror yet, but one of the things that uh, critics at the professional level and even you know just people like us kind of uh, discussing it always bring up about Black Mirror is that it's a very, and, and usually in criticism, but occasionally in defense, is that it's a very bleak, kind of nihilistic take on the world. Mm-hmm. The world that we inhabit, human nature in general. Or are, are going to inhabit. Or, yeah, or are going to inhabit. Or where we're, we're right on the edge of kind of, this is where we're going to go if things kind of progress in a certain way. So to me, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go as far as to make a judgment call whether or not that that was a deserved ending. 
for uh, for our daily, but you just said it under your breath. I don't know if the mic will pick it up, but that whole idea of kind of him getting his just desserts. Yes. He pushed this technology and he pushed this idea that more or less was his creation to this end. He could have done many things with it and did do many things with it, but he opted to take this one aspect of it and take it to its you know logical terminus point and that led to his demise as far as we can i guess surmise from what happened at the end so whether or not that was justified based on what he did i i would leave that up for discussion but i yeah. think that that's the one of the messages the show is trying to get across in that episode is that you know very much it wasn't like he deserved that it was you you reap what you sow. This was the thematic ending to the story. It's, yeah. and, and in that, I would accept it. In that, it, you you are correct. It makes sense to the story that that would be the ending he gets. But it, it, it it's, in my opinion, tragic. He's dead. He's not surviving that. So far as we know. I mean, it's Christmas, it's Christmas Eve, so no one's going back to work to know he's missing. And it two weeks? Yeah, ten days. Two yeah. weeks. And we saw him set the do not disturb on the door. That. And you know uh, Nanette is not going anywhere back near there. She just stole a bunch of weird shit out of his fridge. She's not going to go, I wonder how he's doing. Like, she's going to just not go anywhere near there. So he will starve to death and he will die. Kind of interesting, too. I mean, they, they do a lot of great world building. In really all the episodes, but in, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or whatever, you get a, a real sense of kind of where this particular world that we're visiting in the, in the Calistra episode um, is at. And for me, um, you know, there's certain things that are kind of left up to our discretion. They don't really say, you know, well, if you die in the game and you're, you know, a, a, a physical entity that has, you know, projected your consciousness into the game, if you die in the game, you're dead. Like, they didn't say that. But we're kind of left to assume that because this is off the books and, you know, everything he's doing, uh, once it gets deleted, you know, he's still, his his digital presence is still in the game. So is there a way to pull him out? Is there a way to, without serious damage occurring? I mean, we don't really know. We're kind of left to speculate. And that's why I think we all assume that he's dead. You know, that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is that no one's even going to find him to pull him out because he obviously can't pull himself out. Well, that, I mean, I guess that's the thing is, uh, you know, if he's waiting there for, say, you know, three or four days or whatever their, their Christmas break is or whatever from the, the company, um, you know, does he just sit there? Is he just, you know, vegging out in the chair for a week and then, you know, they can pull him out and or is that it? You know, I, it's kind of interesting, but that's, I guess, whatever the rules of that particular world are. Not that it matters, but I feel like if he passed out, you know, eventually... There's like some sort of failsafe. It's got to break him out of it somehow. Not like it's, not that it matters. It pertains to the story. Sure. I, I, was, all I, was, I was thinking that too, that there's probably some sort of failsafe included with that but he technology. Also, oh, that's true. And all of his stuff was destroyed, like all of his specialty mods. So it might kick back to an original. Yeah. But this is all speculative. And who's yeah. to say that it didn't del- just delete his consciousness along with the mod? He could... His body could be totally brain dead, and his consciousness has been totally wiped from existence. It's also possible. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting yeah. take down it. I, f- I feel like I really wish there was a part two to this. <laughs> but you like the whole series. That what I would support. It's either a full series or don't do anything else with this. 
No, absolutely. I feel like it doesn't upload your con like you're not emptying your consciousness into the game when you play it. I feel like that would be very dangerous. Yeah, they they seem more like a it was just linking your brain to the game. Right. The yeah. whole uh, disc. Yeah, the little node thing. I think they called it like a disc. They call it a disc, yeah. But the fact that your entire iris and pupil goes white, that's there's something more I mean, I'm into it. Or they just wanted a visual. There's something that's also more going that's on. also a, a general physical representation in Black Mirror. General physical representation in Black Mirror that uh, uh, whenever a mind interfaces with technology in some way, they generally show it through the eyes. So that's just kind of a thing that the show has has done sure. since it started. I kind of also <clears throat> took that as a way it kind of like overrides your worldly vision. Okay. So like better immerse mm-hmm. you in the yeah. consciousness of the game. Yeah, I could believe that. It's just an old, you know, it's an old trope of, you know, even the Matrix, you know, your mind goes into the computer and you, you know, you die in the computer, you die in the, like, your body dies. It's kind of like an old Matrix and there are just a lot of, like, anime tropes where you go into the game and, like, you can't die in the game at a certain point. Like, your consciousness is weirdly, like, inextricably linked with the game now. And that's that's that was my interpretation of what happened. Like either his consciousness got deleted, or he's going to be stuck in the game until his body naturally dies. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that was the implication. Yeah. yeah, because of the implication. <laughs> um, there's a a few more points I want to uh, touch upon here. Um, because of the implication. Because uh, one of them, I feel like is the stronger point before we had mentioned it, was the timeliness of this episode with everything that's been going on in, uh, I mean, Hollywood, and I think it's always been going on in politics, people getting ousted, but uh, also going on, now we're finding out in, in this industry, the video game industry, is people of power abusing that power yeah. over their... Uh, anyone really that they can yeah that actually just came out uh, I think last week over at Quantic Dream uh, one David Cage I believe his name is who the Quantic Dream in case those of you don't know they created Heavy Rain uh, Beyond Two Souls and they're coming out with with one of my most anticipated games of the year Detroit Detroit Become Human which would be great to talk about (laughs) Um, but David Cage has been accused of a lot of uh of workplace sexual harassment and I think some some forms of assault and uh, also racism on on top of all of that and, and yeah I mean that happened like I think two weeks after Callister came out and so it's definitely mm-hmm. timely. Well, yeah, and I think that was uh, one of the things that was really refreshing about the episode. I mean, apart from just being a really strong, really well-done science fiction story, which is kind of what I think draws uh, everyone in this room to this type of media, regardless of what it is, show, movie, book, game, you know, um, that I really like when they can, uh, you know, any type of, like, creatives that are running whatever production, you know, we're, we're, we're watching can bring those timely issues into it and do it in a way where it's not uh, like an afterthought or not tacked on. It's done tastefully and in a way that kind of makes you think, just like the best science fiction does. So um, I really enjoyed that about the episode. And that kind of takes me to, to um, 
uh, one of my big points I think that I wanted to bring up, which ties into all this, but uh, it's the fact that I think at the beginning of the episode, when we first get to uh, EA, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what is it, uh, Callister uh, <laughs> Industries, um, but like when we first get... What? what? <laughs> it's not even an apt like comparison. Seriously? Seriously! So, baseball... To me, what, what's the game is Infinity, I think it is. Yeah. In the, it's, it's, Infinity is totally like a Destiny, you know, meets MMO. Oh, no. Infinity's Eve. Yeah, Eve so. Online. Infinity's yeah. Eve yeah. Online. Big time. Also, uh, what's the other... Uh, it's the single-player Eve Online version. Uh, oh, uh, Elite, Elite, Elite Dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah, totally. Well, no, I, I was just joking there. But, like, <laughs> basically, uh, to me, when we get to the, the real-world video game company... And we're introduced to uh, Robert Daly. I think you guys probably all felt the same thing, but uh, he's immediately presented as this kind of really sympathetic character. Like, here's this guy who he's seemingly mild-mannered, nerdy, kind of keeps to himself. Um, and over the course of, like, a day in the life, you kind of see these interactions he has with his coworkers, and it just seems like all these people are just stepping on him, you know? And you feel bad for the character, and I think I initially thought, um, not having a lot of experience with Black Mirror, oh, well, this is going to be an episode of this daily character uh, kind of becoming the hero in a way. And he's going to, you know, show all these people in his office that, you know, hey, wh- why are you uh, belittling me or why are you, you know, treating me this way? I've got the answer. I'm going to save you guys in some sort of, you know, crazy science fiction scenario. So the fact that really within, I mean, the first third of the episode, that completely gets flipped, and then we're dealing with this guy who, for I mean, for all intents and purposes, is a monster. I mean, he's monstrous in his persona in the virtual world. Uh, and I mean, granted, that carries over to the real world, but these aren't things that really the, the other people in the offices, coworkers, um, underlings see. So like the, he's just this kind of, you know, weird guy, whatever that's in the corner office. But, you know, in his virtual life, he's doing all these really, really screwed up things. Um, I thought that was kind of the crux of the episode. That's what all this stuff kind of balanced and hinged on. Um, and I just thought that was done so, so well. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. That was really my, my, Big takeaway from the episode, I mean, obviously there's all these other themes and other things we can get into, but just the fact that um, they really kind of brought that out and teased that out, because it is such a huge issue in in our culture right now, and especially in a lot of these, um, I guess, institutions that we kind of hold dear, uh, be it video games or, you know, Hollywood. Um, no, yeah, and it's it's it really speaks volumes that, that by that third waypoint, you know, no matter what you think, no matter what I think, I agree with you that while while I don't know if his end was you know deserved, I, I he's still a monster. What he did was was awful. It was you know? But the point is that if if you don't you know shift from your sympathy from Robert Daly to your sympathy of the net in, in, in that short time span where the story turns, like like I don't know what's going on with you because because Nanette's life is awful in that situation. Like, it's not awful, awful. Like, she's still living her dream. But but this girl who who had nothing but the most respect for this company, 
who is like ev- everything she's wanted to do in her life is because of this company shows up yeah. to work at this company and to, to confront her hero and and to, to introduce herself and tell her that tell him that he's his hero and all he wants to do is is you know creep on her and you know and then you've got the CEO who next door is actually creeping on her. And this poor, incredibly talented girl who just wants to, to live out her dream yeah, yeah. And, and work on this game. And, and you've got all these guys preying on her in different ways. It's, it's, it's sad, but most importantly, it's a sad reality of the world. Like That shit is real every fucking day. Yeah, you know, and that's not even really anything I considered, but you're right, from Nanette's perspective, I mean, this is her dream job. Mm-hmm. This is her landing, you know, this is like the golden goose, like, this is what she wants to do, and she's finally doing it, and it's like, how how many of us would be just ecstatic and incredulous, like, if we're in that position where we're handed the key to do whatever we want to do, and it ends up, you know, w- within two days of her working there, you know, someone's... Uh, well, little does she know it's really herself, but is blackmailing her with, you know, <laughs> her her Las Vegas pictures from <laughs> But isn't that crazy? So I after we've sat after we've stepped away and had a week, I've thought more on that. And and that goes that's digital Nanette would play on her as her subconscious in this situation, which is plaguing her over her her past decisions, which she has no reason to be ashamed of, but this subconscious is coming back and haunting her with this and, and threatening not only uh, her own, uh, not only her safety, but her job, or not only her job, but her safety. I guess that's the order it should be in. But <laughs> uh, it's there's tons of subtext in the Nanette character about what's happening in real in real life, which is which is fun. Yeah, and you touched on that too, which is a, a good point. But there is that uh, point of the story where it does switch, and it goes from being uh, Robert Daly's story to being Nanette's story, and I feel like. Uh, she's just such a empowered character in, in all the right ways. Um, you really, I think, do kind of go on this ride with her character and kind of see things from her perspective and the way that she kind of figures it out um, is really, I think, kind of like a joy to watch. It's not a very happy episode. I think pretty much most everything in the episode is very bleak, but... You definitely are rooting for her character, um, and really rooting for all the characters that maybe forty-five minutes before I'm sitting there, oh, this guy's an asshole, and this guy's mm-hmm. an asshole, and you know she's you know being shitty to this guy, and why? And then you know after you kind of go through it, it's interesting to see the payoff for the characters in the virtual world after they've kind of had some time after they've really been abused, and not to say that that's that's right, but. I think that that abuse and being almost like, you know, imprisoned or confined led to some realizations. And that plays into like the CEO character, which I forgot his name. Walton. 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 Um, You know, one of his last scenes is uh, an apology to Daly. Um, Although it's kind of... Kind of uh, an apology. Kind of (laughs) apology, which is, you know, it's, it's basically him having this moment of reflection and just, you know, realization like, hey, in the real world... I was all these things to you, and I regret it all, and I was wrong, but, you know, you've... You blew my kid out of the airlock. <laughs> you blew my kid out of the airlock, <laughs> and any sense of, of uh, maybe uh, feelings of wrongdoing that he had were, you know... Justified. Yeah, I, in the end, because of what he ultimately did. It wasn't, you know, if he never would have done those things, who knows if real life Walton would have ever had those 
feelings of regret or, you know, who knows, maybe he grapples with those feelings in the real world. I mean, we, we don't really know. We never saw that. But um, just that realization in the virtual world, uh, kind of tempered by what Daly actually did, his behavior, I thought that was kind of a, a, a brilliant way to g- give you some closure for both stories. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, did you have anything? Well said. Oh, mm-hmm. did you have anything you wanted to add on? No, I think we, I think we hit it. You know, pretty, pretty much nail on the head there. You know, um, it is, it is um, an interesting point. Like this is a man who has been driven to you know this mentality. I'm not saying it's good or right, but you know these are the, you know these are the choices that he's made as a result of uh, people just stepping over him repeatedly. You know, I mean. In a lot of ways, I, I think for some people, this episode is really relatable. You know, he ends up doing what a lot of us, like you said, like what a lot of us just end up thinking about. But he's, you know, he's got access to this technology that he can take his fantasies, you know, a little bit further. Um, but yeah, you know, this is a man who's been driven to this sort of like loneliness induced insanity kind of a thing. Yeah. Everyone at home. If this is a message for anybody... And everyone in this room... Be nice to each other. <laughs> please raise your hands if you've ever made a sim after someone you don't like, put them in a pool, and took out all the ladders. I don't think... Uh, there's only one hand. If we're playing Find the Sociopath... <laughs> don't lie! Come no, on! No, I never did say, that. I've, not, I've drowned a sim in my day. I wasn't <laughs> someone that I named. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, I've sadistically killed a sim before. Yeah. It wasn't uh, a voodoo sim. But, uh, you know, they just, I, I got too many sims that I had to take care of. I kind of got annoyed by that, so I ended up just killing one of them off. <laughs> but uh, they weren't named after anyone I didn't like. You know, well, try coaster, it. Roller Coaster Tycoon, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just named guests. Those shitty customers. You can name guests. Those, those shitty guests. I think you can. Yeah, you, know, you can. Yeah. Wait, so you named sims characters off of shitty guests and... To <laughs> <laughs> ultimate revenge. No, just someone's giving you a bad review and they hate this ride that you just spent two hours building. You go throw them in the so forest. You, you build a little pen and you put about 50 panda mascots in there. <laughs> no bathrooms. And you just drop that little bro in there. And those pandas just dance around him. He just starts crying For all, all eternity. Screw Mr. Skeletal's wild ride. That's the That sounds incredible. So I gotta get this game. Uh, <laughs> but real quick to go back on topic, <laughs> I wanted to uh, actually, basically, just get some uh, some final thoughts on here. I also, as we're going around, I want you to give me your favorite moment in the episode. And if you want to do two, give me your favorite and give me your least favorite, because it's not unreproachable. We can say negative things about this episode as good as it was. Uh, aside from that. I want to know if you think this was good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. There's only one answer there, but uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and go around the room. Ben, start with you. It was a great episode. It was enjoyable in every way. It lends to great discussion, and I thought that it was a great opening to season four, and I'm excited to finish season four, because while I've seen everything before this, I have not finished season four because I am a busy person. My favorite moment in this episode was uh, Nanette's line. I had it written down (laughs) last week. 
but I didn't, I forgot my notes, um, but I think I remember it, which was, taking my pussy is a red fucking line. Hmm. And I thought the brilliance in that writing was, was impeccable. Uh, <laughs> I was also happy to hear Aaron Paul's voice at the end of the, at the end of the episode as, <laughs> as the angry gamer. Um, it's great sci-fi. Uh, if you like sci-fi, you should watch Black Mirror. I'm shocked that so many people in this room right now have never seen Black Mirror before, but I'm glad they are fans now. And you will be too. <laughs> he points at the microphone. Stop doing that. It's not a person. It is to me. So they're not people. <laughs> the microphone is people. Listen, he had a troubled childhood. Just leave him alone. It was just him and Mikey. I told you, we found sociopath Ben. <laughs> His best friend Mikey, which we all thought was a real person. And then we met Mikey. Not nah, SM58. <laughs> That's an audio joke. Uh, Three uh, percent of you uh, who listen to this uh, laughed. Uh, uh, so okay, Matt. So I was a big fan of this episode. Uh, I would say my favorite part was Nanette's side interactions, like her little when they're on the planet and the pizza is like gets there, and they're all just talking, and then it comes time to like snap back into action, and she just like puts up her hands like she's ready to fight or. When they are walking and uh, to check out the shuttle on the mission near the end, and she's trying to like just buddy buddy up with the with the captain, and she's just kind of doing this like ridiculous overly feminine walk, and it's just it's all the things the the actor did to lean into it in those moments of she had no idea what was going on, and she was just doing the best she could, and like. Oh, it just felt, it made it feel like somebody who was scrambling to make sense out of all of this. It was great acting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Matt. I know what your point was. <laughs> no, I was just I was agreeing with you. <laughs> I know. She that was the most passive-aggressive simplification I've ever heard. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be passive. No, he was agreeing with him. I, was really, I, mean, I know you I, were. I, I, I thought she... Was like, I thought yeah. she Knocked it out of the fucking park in that mm. episode. I didn't. I recognized her. I can't think of what she was actually. What I've seen her in before. Kristen Melody was the mother, and how I met your mother. Oh, that's cool. Oh, but no, I just she really. Uh, I mean, I thought every everyone was fantastic in this episode, but she was the star to me. Oh, and the supporting cast was amazing. Oh. Those were very good actors that were. Um, I mean, Black Mirror's never short on that from what I understand they oh, always yeah. have great supporting right uh, characters and actors uh, any least favorite moments moments you did not care for or you're just gonna honestly the only thing that bugged me about it and I know it was to drive the po- point home but uh, it was Nate and oh, Elena the two people at the office that just did not seem like they deserved those jobs Nate was an intern and when the CTO asked for coffee, he doesn't even get the coffee. And I know they're just trying to drive home the how meek and how everybody can just walk all over him, even though he's in charge. But it just... That just bothered me so much on so many levels. Okay. Matt would put you into a video game. <laughs> <laughs> just for a stern talking to. <laughs> Listen here, Bob. But see, he didn't actually know that uh, he got a stern talking to. I just get it off your chest. It's just for me. <laughs> uh, 
Jason? So. <laughs> my favorite thing in this episode, I probably would say it was just the fact that I really like whenever I see any type of science fiction uh, media like grappling with the idea of consciousness and uh, is AI conscious or really the big thing that and that's I, I mentioned in the, the Mark one uh, cast about um, uh, the game Soma which we kind of briefly you know discussed but um, not to be a, a spoiler alert for Soma but I mean, we're it, spoiling everything here it, 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 no, it, so. I, I won't <laughs> I won't, um, you know, get into actual story things, but it revolves around the same idea that was kind of touched on in this Callister episode, and that from, you know, I've, I've watched, since watched a few other episodes, including uh, White Christmas, uh, Black Mirror, and uh, it's this idea of you take a person in the physical world and you make a copy of <laughs> this person's consciousness and then implant that consciousness into some sort of digital construct. Mm -hmm. Are they still a conscious entity? Not necessarily to say they're alive. I won't go that far, but are they still a conscious entity? And are these you know horrible things that are being done to them, uh, do they have value? Or how do we ascribe value that we would you know give to the physical suffering of someone in the real world to this construct that can still feel pain or you know a digital representation of pain they're still feeling these these feelings and it just blows my mind it's one of those things whenever that topic comes up and you really think about it it's really hard to answer and for me anyway it's, it's hard to kind of uh, try to come to a conclusion there that's satisfactory well, I feel like I mean at that rate you just want to you get into the morality of it and you have to take into effect what is the moral community involved there, what encompasses, uh, you know, the ethics involved, and, I mean, uh, what was that, one of the utilitarianism or whatever, anything that can suffer is included in the community, so can these artificial right. beings that are suffering, and they show in the show that they are suffering. You know, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm, I would try to answer that, I'm definitely not going to try to answer it right now, but I think that the... The interesting thing for me is the fact that the, when the characters awaken in the game world, their last memory is their last memory in the real world. So they are existing basically as a perfect copy of what came before that moment. Yeah. And then that's where the timeline splits. And that's a similar theme that was I discussed in Soma, which to me was amazing sci-fi. I wish you guys all played that game because I would love to do a cast on it. Amazing game. Amazing story. What was but, that one? Hmm? PS3? Yeah, it's on PS4. Oh, on PS4. Yeah, it's oh, a PSN. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you can always <coughs> write, can, write, write about it. Or we could do it. Maybe. It's a frictional game. They also did uh, Amnesia. Okay. The Dark Descent. But oh, it's a great game. Is um, there, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. But, uh, no, so that was my favorite uh, element of the episode. I think everything else that I enjoyed, we already discussed. As for, like, a least, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like... I wouldn't say it's a perfect episode because it's hard to ascribe perfection to anything, really. I mean, even the, the movies or games that we really love, I mean, you can find flaws. But for what it was, I really enjoyed it, and I was, I was glued to the screen for an hour and 20 minutes. I, I really couldn't pull myself away from it, and, and you know, I think we um, 
had discussed it basically the day after I watched it, and now there's a little bit of time removed. It's still hard for me to just pick small things out. I think overall it accomplished what it wanted to, what it set out to do, and did it in a really uh, interesting way that was all its own. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Andrew? You know, I, I said it at the beginning. I'll say it again. I'm a, I'm a big fan of when media subverts my expectations, be that, you know, in switching the main character from daily to virtual Nanette or, you know, any any of the other subversions that happened in this that they actually were able to get out, that they didn't just become nothing after they flew into the update black hole, uh, that Daly's consciousness, for all intents and purposes, got trapped in this computer system, leaving him in a vegetative state. I really just liked, as a whole, the subversiveness of the episode. And... I watched I watched that Prime Minister episode, the first episode one, season one. A lot of subversion there too. I kind of saw some some more of the things coming in that episode. Um, still, a lot that sort of kept me on my toes. I'm very burnt out on what you might call just really just played out sort of media. You know, you can see everything coming a mile away. It's like, okay, well, he's the villain. All right, got it. He's okay. He's gonna save the day in the last five seconds. Super can't stand it anymore. So like anything that just sort of like subverts my expectations, turns them on their head, I dig it. So this def this definitely did. Uh, I was digging on the episode a lot. Um, in terms of things that I didn't like, um, I was it was a little unclear how Daly's powers extended in the game because it, like they were they said that like oh he's got to be on deck to affect anything and it's like he programmed this entire mod why does he have to be on deck you know like there's just a lot of weird things uh like going that it's it's really inconsequential like you're, you're reaching lore. for something to not like and exactly <laughs> that's the point yeah that's that's it like right, if there's anything i don't like about it it's it's all nitpicky well it's interesting to me uh what you just said about um, what you like about Black Mirror as a whole, you know, the, the kind of subversion there, because I've gotten a little bit more into the show since uh, watching this episode. And like I said, I've probably watched like four or five at this point now. And um, that's the thing. I feel like the vast majority of uh, people that watch it that are science fiction fans enjoy it. I and mean, it's gotten all these accolades. It's gotten critical acclaim. Obviously, it's doing really well now that it has Netflix as a platform. But... There's just those people that just, they can't really deal with that view of our world or, you know, the world that we may inhabit. But to me, I think I share your view, Miller, that it's very, it's refreshing. It's, it's refreshing to see that. And it's dark and it's not happy and very rarely does it end happy. But I don't think Black Mirror does it in a way where that nihilistic content has become a trope to me at least. Because I never really expect what's going to happen. Usually it gets twisted in some way where something bad definitely happens, but not it's not what I really expected to happen. I won't say anything about the episode, but White Christmas would be like a perfect example of that for me. Mm -hmm. Totally say, just yeah. twisted. Just you wait. Just you wait. I might try to watch that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. Really quick, I should say, I highly recommend to all people who who are starting out in the middle 
to, if you can, start with Season 1, Episode 1, and work your way up from there. Because, not because there are, there's a line of thought, and not because there's a, there's a story, but because there seems to be this progressive tone that continues to grow and evolve. Charlie Brooker, the creator of the show, seems to start in one place, and, and compared to where Black Mirror is at now, the show's unrecognizable from where it was in season one. So in that, for that reason, I would highly recommend that people start at episode one and work your way. If you don't like something, you can skip it. You can come back to it. But just so you have an idea of, of the progression of this tone that's building, and also the production quality changes extensively between two and three. So you're gonna you're gonna get kind of a, a system shock if you go back to the older ones, and you may you some people may turn away because of that because that's which would be unfortunate. Some people choose to do that. So I just wanted to say that really quick. I'm sorry for interrupting. That's no, fine. Um, <coughs> I'm sorry. Was that good sci-fi or bad sci-fi? Oh, oh excellent, okay. perfect okay. sci-fi, well, perfect perfect example of no, sci-fi. No, I should no, say. Y'all said it. Amazing sci-fi. Okay. Yeah. Very good sci-fi. Okay, uh, Mark. Closing thoughts? Good stuff. Oh, <laughs> all right, great. Yeah. Um, hmm. So my favorite scene, even though you get a sense of how he's treating his coworkers in, in this game world, it still really brings it to a new emotional level the first time that Nanette enters the game world. Her first real interaction with everything and figuring out how things work pushing against you know the boundaries of of what she can do and um what robert allows her to do Mm -hmm. really gives you a a solid sense of just how messed up the whole situation is even though you get kind of a sense of it before this really you know drives it home Uh, that was definitely my favorite scene i couldn't say i had a least favorite scene i kind of uh the suspense of her sneaking in to steal the DNA objects. Mm-hmm. Kind of false drama to me. I wasn't expecting it to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. But it, I guess it was kind of cool to parallel the drama and the of her window of time that she had to do that in the real world and the game world. You know, syncing them up kind of gave a continuous effect, you know, which was interesting. But that's that's about it, you know. I wouldn't. That's a that's a again a stretch for something that I didn't like about the yeah, episode. I, okay. Um, I suppose my favorite. I mean, just I like the whole damn episode. But one part that I just really liked was uh, the little animation they used at the very beginning for uh, the ship combat that was going on. I just thought that was cute. Um, other than that. Uh, Great sci-fi. Uh, did all the things sci-fi is supposed to do, which is ask questions, and that's what we were left doing afterwards. So, all right. Well, I think that is going to wrap this episode, the Black Mirror USS Callister. Uh, if anybody has anything they'd like to add to our discussion, feel free to comment on Facebook, Sci-Fi Cross Sections, or if you don't want it necessarily public on there, you can. Always email us at sci-fi cross-sections at gmail.com. They can message us on Facebook, too. That's, yeah, that's Or true. find us at Club Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Have a hotel. Oh, no. No. And, uh, I have my own server. 
<laughs> He's got his modded Club Penguin server. Fucking <laughs> brilliant sci-fi. Ben Young's in there. Do you just upload uh, people you don't like? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're all alive. we're all on this sci-fi cross sections. Wait, is that server. why I got my nudes the other day? <laughs> <laughs> thought it was weird that it said getting frosty in there. <laughs> yeah, send penguin bucks. <laughs> All right. DM me your penguins. <laughs> send penguins. Alright. Uh, thanks, guys. Good night. Until next time.